Let's go ahead and turn in our Bibles. We're going to go to Genesis chapter 37. We're going to stay there. There's only one verse I'm going to go out of, and I'll, and I'll quote that verse to you in just a second. But I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 37. And we're going to read verses 12 through 17. This is a story of when um, he has a dream, and then he talks to his brothers, and his brothers sell him into slavery. I want you to see some, a few points with that. Let's go ahead and stand. We'll stretch our legs one more time. And we're going to go to Genesis chapter 37, and we're going to go to verse number 12 through 17, and it says this. It says, And his brethren went to feed their father's flock in, in Shechem. And Israel said unto Joseph, Do not thy brethren feed the flock in, in Shechem? Come, and I will send thee unto them. And he said unto him, Here am I. Notice Joseph's response. He said, this is, Okay, you want me to do it? I'll do it. And he said unto him, Go, I pray thee, see whether it be well with thy brethren and well with thy flocks, and bring me word again. So he sent out him in the of the vale of Hebron, and he came to Shechem. And a certain man found him, and behold, he was wandering in the field. And the man asked him, saying, What seekest thou? And he said, I seek my brethren. Tell me, I pray thee, where they feed their flocks. And the man said, They are departed hence, for I heard them say, let us go to Dothan. And Joseph went after his brethren and found them in Dothan. Point out some things real quick. I'm going to point out some viewpoints in this story, but then I'm also going to point out some parallelisms in the story. Um, hope you take notes or, or at least write down some verses. But when you look at this, sometimes we do things we shouldn't do. Amen? You ever been there? Made a wrong decision? And we always need to ask for God's help and guidance and watch this, and not rely on our viewpoint or our emotions. Because you're going to find out these brothers, they relied on their viewpoint of what they saw and their emotions about what they heard. And so I want you to look at some of these verses, and we're going to look at, look at them, and we're going to go jump around the chapter quite a bit tonight. I've got a lot of information I want to share with you, but let's look at the brothers' viewpoint. Let's go what we do know about them. Go to verse number four. It says, And when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all, this, uh, all his brethren, what? They hated him. And it says, And could not speak peaceable unto, the, unto him. That's an interesting statement. I understand the hate, but they were so full of hatred that they couldn't even talk to him without getting mad about who he was. Now, what, was, what were they mad about in this particular verse? Well, he hasn't shared his dreams with them. Why were they mad at him? Because you've got to go to verse number three. He had this coat and his daddy's favorite. And so that's why they were mad at him. They could, can you imagine being so mad at somebody you couldn't speak peaceably to them? Every time you saw them, you, you had conversation. It was never a good situation. That's a pretty strong hatred. Now, you think in your mind, do you have anybody in your life like that? Don't answer if you do. But if you just think, man, I just can't talk nice to them. And you know, we can talk nice to people, even if we don't agree with them. But these boys hated this, this boy. So we know that. Go to verse number 5 through 11. You'll see the dreams that are, that are said there. And let's look at some things in here. He tells them that he, he, Joseph dreamed a dream and he told it to his brethren. And look at verse number 5. And, it, and they hated him yet the more. I don't know how much more they could hate him. But it says he tells a dream and they hate him even worse. And so keep reading and you'll see that statement said again. Go to verse number 8. It says, And the brethren said to him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us? Or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him, hate him yet the more. 
it first starts out that they can't even speak peaceably to him. And then they hate him and they hate him yet the more. And so, and then he tells the next dream, his father kind of rebukes him, talks to him about it. And then watch verse number 11. And his brethren, what's the next word? Envied him. This is a deep-seated root. They don't like him at all. And keep, they had the sayings, they had the sayings, they hated what he said, hated what he wore, hated who he was. They couldn't talk to him. So we know their, their, their viewpoint is this. They don't like him at all. And he's the one that dad likes the most. I want to encourage you, if you have kids, love them all the same way. But there's a viewpoint we're not, we're not thinking about. We have th- these brothers, theirs. But there's a, have, how many of you ever heard of the mob mentality? Can I say this to you? When, when you get in with a bunch of people, you'll do things that you probably wouldn't do on your own. And here you're going to have the mob mentality with these guys because here he comes back on the scene. He's bringing them things. Wanted to, his dad wanted him to check as the verses we read. But the mob mentality, go to verse number 18. Verse number 18, and it says, When they saw him afar off, even before he came near unto them, they conspired him to what? Slay him. Now this hatred is, going, is notched up even higher. He's not even talked to him at this point. They just see him from afar and they want to kill him. And that's what the mob mentality does. They take it too far and sometimes they don't realize what they're trying to say. But let's look at the details of their plans. We're flying through this, but I want you to see the details of their plan. Go to verse number 20. It says, come now therefore and let us slay him and cast him in some pit and we will say some evil beast hath devoured him and we shall see what will become of his dreams. He's saying, we're going to basically, we're going to, we're going to just slaughter him and then say an animal did. There's three things I, I wrote on this. Is that they, they were going to kill him. They were going to cast him down. And then they were going to blame mother nature on it. They were going to blame it. And we all know this, but, and why did they do this? Why, why have they been in such an upheaval about this? Why is this set in motion? Why are they thinking this way? It's because of one thing. It's not because of the coat he's wearing. The coat just, just adds to them. It's because of his dreams. Because look at how they refer to him when they see him afar off. They're, the mob mentality, they look afar off and they say, in verse number 19, and they said one to another, behold this what? Dreamer cometh. I don't know how they get to this point, but they take away that this is their brother and all they see is a dreamer. Then they tell, the, then they tell what they're going to do, come now therefore and let us slay him and cast him into some pit and we will say some evil beast hath devoured him and we shall see what will become of his dreams. Little did they know that what they were doing is making his dreams come true. Now, it wasn't going to come true for many years. In fact, it was a nightmare for him. He had a dream with his brothers, but it became a nightmare. And we'll look at his viewpoint in just a second. But so you have the the mob mentality and and, and you, you see all these things, but then all of a sudden, number one brother comes in. So you have the mob mentality viewpoint. You have the brother's mentality viewpoint. Now you're going to have Reuben's viewpoint. He's the eldest. And he comes on the scene and he's found in verse number 21 and he's listening to all this. 
And look what it says in verse number 21. And Reuben heard it. And he delivered him out of their hands and said, let us not kill him. They were wanting to kill him. And what does he say? He says, well, we're going to just, and Reuben said unto him, shed no blood. They had obviously heard of who? Cain and Abel, right? They had obviously heard of that story and they knew what, what happened there. And I don't think Reuben wanted to ever have that conversation. I'm not my brother's keeper. And so here Reuben comes on the scene and he says, don't, don't shed any blood, but cast him into the pit that is in the wilderness and lay no hand upon him that he might rid him out of their hands to deliver him to his father again. So his plan in his mind was that they were going to throw him in this, in this pit and he was going to come back. Now somewhere in the story, he leaves. And he thinks his plan's okay until he figures out that there's much more to it. He said he was going to take him to his father. See, he was just, Reuben was just as much his dad's, father, dad's son as, as Joseph was. But he also saw that he could not help with this mob mentality. He had to actually finagle his way through, get him and bring him back. And then just act like it didn't happen. But his brothers were not going to have that. See, you have um, what actually happened is found in verse number 23. Now remember, we're going to go through this again. What their plans were, what Reuben's plans were, but what really happened is found in verse number 23. And it came to pass when Joseph was coming to, to his brethren that they stripped Joseph out of his coat, his coat of many colors that was on him. Now, I, I don't understand. Did he wear this jacket every day? But apparently he liked it, and he didn't know that it affected his brothers. So he walks on, the, he goes on this long journey. We'll talk about that in just a second. But here he's on this long journey. He comes up, and they can spot him from afar by what he's wearing. And he wears that, they take his jacket, in verse number 24, and they took him and cast him into the pit. And the pit was empty, there was no water in it. You know why they say that? Because he could have drowned in some of these pits. But they, they take him, they take his jacket, and they throw him in the pit. So now you have Judah's point of view. Somewhere along the line, I told you that Reuben has left. Judah is the fourth boy that's born. And somewhere along the line, he comes in and he sees that, the, that he knows his brother's in the pit. And watch what he says. When I read this, this just kind of blows your mind. Because in verse number 26, it says, And Judah said unto his brethren, What profit is it if we slay our brother and conceal the blood? Judah's point of view is, We've already done this. There's no turning back, but we might as well not kill him. What? We can make some, what? Money on him. You know what the world does with a lot of stuff? I can make some money on that. And so he's looking, and in all these guys' viewpoints, they're not looking at Joseph as a, as a person with a heart. They're looking at him an object that they do not like. They're looking at him as, they don't look at him as his brother, their brother. They're just looking at him as somebody, and Judah takes it far and he says, let's just, what profit should we, we could make some profit off him. Let's go ahead and sell him. And just for a side note, I want you to understand the people that he sell, they sell him to. Let's look at this story and keep reading. 
It says in verse number um, 25, it says, and they sat down to eat bread and they lifted up their eyes and look, behold, a company of, what's the next word? Ishmaelites came from Gilead with their camels bearing spicery and balm and myrrh, going to carry it down to Egypt. There's no doubt in my mind they knew where they were going. They probably asked them. And you've got to understand where they're at. We'll get to the trip in just a second. But they were going to go south and they were going to take him to Egypt. And their mind, they said, we can sell him. And I'm not telling you anything you don't know. They can sell him and he'll be out of their hair. Isn't that sometimes what we do with sin? We can try to, we can try to put it off and say, it's going to be okay. We, we don't need to mess around with sin. And in their state of mind, they're not making right decisions. They're treating him less the, like an animal than a person. And he's their brother. He says, listen, let's go ahead and sell him. So it says Ishmaelites, and this is, and Judah said unto his brethren, what profit is, is if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? These people are right here. Let's give it, come and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother and our flesh. What? Now he's kind of remembering that. And says, and the brethren were, and I think this was one of the saddest words in this story, and his brethren were content. Wow. And we'll look at that at the very end. But if you keep reading, it says, Then, then there passed by Midianites, merchantmen, and drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver, and they brought Joseph into Egypt. It's interesting. When you do a little bit of studying on who these guys were that bought him, do you realize they were kin to him? Ishmaelites. They were from Ishmael. That's Abraham's son from Hagar. You say, well, does the Bible, and it's, this is one of those verses that the Bible, that people say there's a contradiction. There's no contradiction. There's two groups of people traveling, and this is Midianites, and there's the Ishmaelites. And they're traveling together because in biblical times, at this time, it was very dangerous to travel alone. You needed a group of, you needed a group of people. And so they're all going. By the way, Midianites are also related to him. Remember when Sarah died and he married a girl by the name, I want to make sure I say this, um, Keturchus, um, Keturah, Keturah, Keturah. This is actually a, a descendant from her. The Midianites are, from Midian. So they're basically selling their brother to a long lost cousin. I don't think they probably spoke the language, that's my personal opinion. Because when you think about Joseph, sometimes we don't realize what we would do if we were Joseph. Right? If we were Joseph, how would you react? So here you have Judah's viewpoint. The, the brother's viewpoint, they don't like him. They hate him, they can't even talk to him, can't talk peaceably. And then you have the mob mentality, let's kill him. You have the details of what they wanted to do and what they actually did. And then you had um, Reuben's viewpoint of trying to modify it so he could take him back to the, son, to, to the dad. And then you have um, Judah's viewpoint, let's make some money off of him. But then you have Reuben's viewpoint again. Watch, watch in verse number 29 and 30. Reuben comes back on the scene. He's been gone for this short period of time or however long it was and said, and Reuben returned into the pit and behold, Joseph was not in the pit. And what? He rent his clothes. Then it says in verse number 30. And he returned unto his brethren and said, The child is not, and I, whither shall I go? What he's basically asking right now is, Where is he? Where do I need to go to bring him back? 
And you just think he's totally concerned. He's rent his clothes. He's asking all these questions. And if you keep reading the next verses, and they took Joseph's coat and they just went on with the story. Reuben probably thought in his mind, there's just no more I can do. It's, it's over. I, I don't know what else to do with this, but there's nothing more I can do about it. I might as well, if you can't lick them, join them. And so here he is, and you've got Reuben's point of view, but let's look at Joseph's point of view. Joseph's point of view, in verse numbers 12 through 17, he listens to his father. His father tells him to do something, and what is, here I am, I'll go and I'll do this. Okay? He travels quite a good distance. It's not like he's saying, go see your brothers, they're in the back 40, see how they're doing. If you study a map, you'll find that he goes from Hebron to Shechem. As the bird flies, Hebron to Shechem is about 50 miles. He's going on a trek to find him. And to find them. There's a bunch of boys out there, a bunch of sheep. And, and so they go there and they, they actually go to the, the first place. They go to Dothan because Dothan, base, it basically means two wells. There's a lot of water there. And so while he's there, he's looking confused. And look what the man says. It says in this, it says, he says in verse number 15 in, in this chapter, it says, and a certain man found him and behold, he was wandering in the field. This was probably a spot that they brought their animals before. And he says, this is probably where they're at and he can't find them. He's already went 50 miles. How would you like to walk 50 miles? And you're just going there because your dad told you to go. And so the guy says, well, he's not, they're not in Shechem. I heard them talk. And where did it say they were, they were at? It says in Dothan in verse number 17. Well, Dothan is another 20 miles. And you've got, you got to hear this spot. They're going north on both these. The trek that he's going, he's going from Hebron to Shechem, that's 50 miles north, and then from Shechem to Dothan, that's another 20 miles. So he's walked 70 miles. He's probably pretty tired, and he's probably wondering, is this where he's going? Has anybody ever told you directions, and you don't know if you believed him or not? He's going off a hunch of what a man said. I always remember this. We were in a, in, a, in a van from our college, and it said, Trinity Baptist College, and it said Jacksonville, Florida on the bottom. We were driving through um, New York City, and a guy pulls up to us, and he, he makes us roll our window down. I'm driving, and he, and he says, do you know where the Bronx is? And I was like, I don't. I'm thinking, did you not read the side of our vehicle? And the preacher that was with us, I had just met him, and he said, well, all you do here is turn right, We'll let you go in front of us. Turn right. Just keep driving. If you think you're not there, just keep driving. That's how you get to the Bronx. I was like, okay. And so I'm just agreeing with the preacher. I was like, okay. So I stop. The light turns green. Everybody starts honking. We're in New York City. And so he pulls in front of us and drives off. And I'll never forget what that preacher said. When he was driving about a block down, he goes, that won't get him to the Bronx, but sure get him out of our hair. I was like, what? <laughs> Have you ever been in a situation where directions, you don't know how to get there? He's taken the word of a man that he doesn't even know and says, they're up in Dothan. I heard him talking about it. I think that's where they went. So he goes another 20 miles. He's walked 70 miles to catch his brothers. Can you think, go, go to verse number um, 17. 
He found him in verse number 17. Go to verse number 18. And when they saw him afar off. I wonder what he thought in the very end of 17. It says, and Joseph went after his brethren and found them in Dothan. I know what I would have thought after walking 70 miles, not knowing where they were and finally found them. I'd be going, thank God I found them. Little does he know what's in their heart. You know, when, when you study Joseph, he's a picture perfect of Jesus in the New Testament. His own brothers hated him. His own received him not. He was falsely accused. You know, I just can't imagine what he thought. If I was him, I'm putting myself, I'd, I'd probably, my first thing out of my mouth was like, why have you guys went so far? What are you doing here? I'm so glad I found you. Little did he know they were the first thing they were going to do is take his jacket off and throw him in a pit. He finally found him. And then it says that he was sold into slavery. You want to talk about a confused young man? 17 years old. He's a confused young man. These guys are the ones that are supposed to love me. They don't remember their dream. They're the ones that are going to bow down to me. Little did they know that, that little did he know that man set him on a course to find him, had a part in it, and these boys set him on a course that would make him in charge of them. But I wonder what he thought. Let's put ourselves in his perspective. Would you be yelling? Would you be trying to tell people your whole story? I would. I'd be talking Midianites. Hey, these are my brothers. I don't know why they're doing this. I'd be telling everybody I could talk to. This is a scary situation. He didn't know where it's going. He didn't know what it's going to, where he's going to end up. He has no idea. I just can't see him being quiet. I just can't see him being that way. I can see him. Why are you doing this? Can you imagine his brothers? I'd be yelling their name when I left. Why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? Why'd you take my jacket? What's dad going to think? What's mom going to think? He probably thought in his mind, I'm never going to see mom and dad again. That dream's not going to come true, what, what I said. Have you ever thought about what Joseph thought when his brother sold him? Their hatred where they couldn't speak peaceably to him. It was devastating to him. I'm sure he didn't get up, went on and go, yeah, I'm going, I'm going to Egypt. And remember where they're sending him. They're, they're, Egypt is always south of, of Israel. They're up north, and he's traveling all the way through this as a slave. I don't know if they gagged him where he couldn't speak, but I know what I would do. I'd be telling everybody what my brothers did and just hoping that one of them would get back and tell Dad. That was Joseph's perspective of this. He just, he, the whole, his whole world has been turned upside down just by following what his dad said. I wonder what my viewpoint would have been or your viewpoint would have been on this. I know where I would stand. I would not understand at all. Don't you think when you read this story in this chapter, chapter 37, at the very end, read the last verse. It says, And the Midianites sold him into Egypt unto Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh's and the captain of the guard. 
Never says this, but I'm sure he's discouraged. This is not what he was planning on doing. He could have been sold where he's at, but he has to walk 70 miles to be sold. And following what his dad said. I'd be wondering, what are they going to do with my jacket? They not even care about me? Do you not love me? Do you not, you not care about me at all? His whole viewpoint was messed up. He was discouraged. We don't have a record of what he said. But as a person, he was a person just like us. And he had boys that hated him. He had brothers that hated him, wanted to kill him. And I wonder if he even heard that conversation. Let's, what can we do about profiting off of him? Now they're making money off of me? Hmm. Those are the viewpoints of the brother, the mob, Reuben, Judah, and Joseph. But let's look at some parallelisms and we'll be done. You know, there's a bunch of parallelisms in the story. Do you realize the only thing that's found in what they wanted to do was one area, is the pit. Everything ended in the pit. Remember, the, the mob's mentality was, let's kill him and throw him in the pit. Reuben changed the story a little bit. Let's not just kill, let's not kill him, let's just throw him in the pit. And then the aspect of Judah was, let's get him out of the pit and sell him. So in every one of the scenarios, the pit is a parallel. It's, it's all in every one of them. Why is that important? Because sometimes we get in a pit in our life. How do we get out of it? That's up to you, between you and God. But I, I think it's very interesting when you study it, you see how it, it almost... Um, evolved into what happened. You know, let's kill him, let's put him in there, let's bring him out, give him to dad, or let's just sell him and give him to somebody else. It was found in every one of them. And then you have the, the aspect of not killing him. That's found by Reuben and, and, and Judah, but they had different thought processes with it. Reuben wanted to do what? Take him back to dad. Judah didn't do that. Judah wanted to sell him, make some money off of him. So you have the, the parallelisms of the not killing. Then you have an interesting little statement in here. Let's go to the very end of this chapter and go to verse number, oh, it's found verse 31. You know what's something that you find that, that's parallel in this? Go to Genesis chapter 27, verse 31. Now watch this. And they took Joseph's coat and killed a kid of the goats and dipped the blood in, and dipped the coat in the blood. I'm going to read it again, and when I stop, you read the next word. And they took Joseph's coat and killed a kid of the, and dipped the coat in the blood. Let's go back a few chapters. Go to Genesis chapter 27. I don't know if you've ever thought about this. Genesis chapter 27. And here we have the story in Genesis chapter 20, 27 of where Rebekah, and guess who? What's Rebecca's son's name? Jacob. Now go to verse number 15. And Rebecca took goodly raiments of her eldest son Esau, which were with him in the house, and put them upon Jacob, her younger son. And she put the skins of the, what's the next word? Kids of the goats 
upon his hand and upon the smooth of his neck. It's interesting in both those stories, the parallelism is this. They were both deceived by goats. He deceived his father and his sons deceived him by the same animal. There's a verse in Galatians, you don't need to turn to it, and you know it. Once I start it, you'll know the verse. It says this, it says, be not conceived, God is not, and then it says this, for whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. It's pretty devastating to know that your son died. But the same thing that he deceived his dad on was the goat skin. The goat blood was the thing that was going to deceive him. And they didn't have things back then where you could analyze it. Oh, this is not human blood. He just looked at it and said, it's human blood and he's gone. And so you have, you have the parallelism of that. You have the pit. You have the not, they're, they're not killing him. The goat deception. Then you have the, the clothes in this whole story. Have you, have you ever noticed this? What's the one piece of clothing that we, that's found throughout the story? It's the coat of many colors. And you have many aspects of clothing in here. Um, go to verse number, chapter 37. Go to um, verse number 23. 37 verse 23, it says, And it came to pass that when Joseph was coming to his brethren that they stripped Joseph out of his coat. I find this very interesting that this is the first thing they do. They cannot stand the sight of it. And so clothes are mentioned all the way through this. You see the parallelism of this. Well, you say, well, where else do you see it? First of all, you see Joseph with the coat and Joseph without the coat. But then go to verse number, we've already looked at it. It says, and Reuben returned into the pit, in verse number 29. And behold, Joseph was not in the pit, and he rent his clothes. He gets so livid about what they've done, he just rips his clothes off. Where is he? Where is he? When you study Reuben in this, it says, And he returned unto his brethren and said, "What the, the child is not, and I, whither shall I go? Question mark. How can I get him back? And then the next verse says, And they took the coat, I'm sorry, and they, and, and they took Joseph's coat and killed a kid of the goats and dipped the coat in the blood, and they sent the coat of many colors, and they brought it to their father. That's an amazing verse to me. Reuben has been so upset, Russ, about what's going on. And he rips his clothes off. Where's he at? How can I go? Then all of a sudden he changes gears. He's in the midst of all of them. He gets so caught up in it that they've went so far that I don't know what to do. I'm going to just join you. Now keep, keep reading the story. This is very interesting with what they do. And it says, um, and they said... And they sent the coat of many colors, and they brought it to their father and said, This have we found. Know now whether it be thy son's coat or no. They basically bring the coat back to their dad and say, and say this, Is this Joseph's coat? He looks at it, and what does he say? He says, Yes, it is. It is his coat. It's a coat of many colors. They almost act like when they bring it back, I don't know if it's his. Is it his? Is this, uh, we just found this on the ground. Is it his? 
They were trying to deceive themselves. Because they bring it right to dad and dad knows exactly whose coat it is. Had they gone so far to think that dad wouldn't figure this out? How many of you have something that you, a, a, an outfit that you like the most? And if, you, if, you, if your loved ones saw it, they would say, that's definitely theirs. Definitely theirs. And if someone walked up to you and said, is this their coat? I think of your, is it blue coat? Do you have it on? on? She has it with her. Okay. Every time I see, is it blue or purple? Okay. Every time I see that, I think of her. If I saw a coat like that, I'd go, that's Kathy's. I don't think Russ has a coat like that. We all have something we like, and, and they bring it back, they, they drench it in blood, and they say, is this your son's? What a way to tell your dad. You imagine what he thought? Instantly, in his mind, it's racing. I wonder what kind of animal did this. And whatever they did, they destroyed my son. Hmm. Then what does, Je- what, does, what does Jacob do? Here's some more clothes. Keep reading. And Jacob, what? In verse number 34, rent his clothes. All through this chapter, you see these clothes, this clothes issue. It's about a jacket he wore, and then two guys getting upset, and they rent their clothes. They destroy their clothes. These were distinguishable things for these men. They rent their clothes. His brother does. Jacob does. And I think the saddest thing about the whole story is being content when you know you're in the wrong. How many of you have ever done something wrong? You know it's wrong, but you don't care. Okay, I'll be the first one to admit I've done that before. You ever had a bad attitude about something? And you just don't care what people say? Has anybody ever approached you about your bad attitude and said you need to watch your bad attitude? And you really don't care what people think. But here we're talking about them telling their brother, they put their brother in the pit. Let's look at these verses real quick. I want you to see this, being content. It says in verse number 25, actually verse number 24, and they took him and cast him into a pit, and the pit was empty where there was no water in it. Go to verse number 25. And they sat down to eat bread. I've heard about people that have murdered people and then just had a meal in their, in their house. I can't comprehend that. They have got, they've got ill feelings towards him, don't really know what's going to happen, don't know if they're going to kill him, don't know what they're going to do. And then praise the Lord that, that um, their brother Judah comes up with an idea of selling him. And that sounds terrible to say, but at least he didn't die. But when they get done, they've thrown him in the pit. He has traveled 70 miles to see his brothers fulfilling what his dad said. And they throw him in the pit and then they sit down and they start eating. They are so content with this. They could care less of what happens to Joseph. They have lost all situations in their mind saying that this is an immoral thing that they're doing to a, to a person that happens to be one of their younger brothers. That they can sit down and they can eat. They don't even care about it. They're sitting there and they're eating. And, and then, as you read this, it just makes me more angry about who they are. It says, in this they sat down and they, and they ate their bread and lifted up their eyes. And behold, 
A company of Ishmaelites came with, from Gilead with their camels bearing spicery and balm and myrrh going to carry it down to Egypt. As you keep reading, it says, And Judas said unto his brethren, Hey, we need to make some money off this. What profit is if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? Come and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and let not our hand upon him, for he is our brother and our flesh. Who does this? Am I the only one that thinks this? Who does this? They could care less about who this man is. But they still recognize that he's their flesh and their brother. Now watch the next line. And his brother, brethren were what? Content. We're not talking about an animal here. We're talking about a person. And they're eating. They see an opportunity. They make money and they're content with where they are. Can I tell you they're content about one other thing? And we'll be done. Let's keep going at the very end of this chapter. And it says this, it says in verse number 32, And they sent the coat of many colors and brought it to the father and said, This have we found. Know now whether it be thy son's coat or no. And he knew it and said, It is my son's coat. An evil beast hath devoured him. Joseph is without doubt rent in pieces. Keep reading. And Jacob rent his clothes and, and put sackcloth upon his loins and mourned for his son. What's the many days? Many days. I keep reading the next verse. And all his sons and all his daughters rose up to comfort him. But he refused to be comforted and he said, For I will go down into the grave into my son's mourning. Thus saith the father, wept for him. Out of ten guys, you would have thought one of them would see the weeping of their father over many days. Because they tried to make him feel better. But not, none walked up to him and said, Dad, can I speak to you privately? They had sold into this plan. Little did they know Joseph would come back and say, what you thought was wrong, what you thought did ill for me, guess what, God had a plan for me. Can you imagine the father? Not only does he understand that his son was rent into pieces, but he has lying sons that won't tell him the truth. That's a hard pill to swallow. That's why I think many years later, how do you tell your dad? Oh, by the way, he really wasn't torn into pieces. We took his jacket off. And they would have to tell the whole story. You know why? Because when they, the dad sees the son, if he asks any, would you ask questions? Oh, you know, 50 questions? It'd be 500 questions that I'd be asking. But they are so content with where they are. Isn't this what we do with some of our sin? We get so content with where we are that we don't even think straight. And we could, care how many, we could care less how many people we hurt. And this is their own dad that we're talking about. And he says, I can't be comforted. I will go to my grave with the loss of my child. The son that I love. The son that I gave that coat of many colors to. How can I get past that? God knows exactly who we are. 
I don't ever want to be compared to Reuben. Let's make a plan and get out of this. I don't want to be compared to Judah. Let's, let's make some money off this. I don't want to be compared to the mob. Let's see what we can do. And it's just because we hate the guy, we're going to do whatever we can to him. I don't want to be content in sin. Many years they carry it. Just as much as Joseph carried it, they carried it. Sometimes in our life we don't understand why we go through things, but you know what? We don't need to live our life in deception. We need to realize who we are and be better people for it.